The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 366 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is family caregivers surviving Alzheimer's disease. Now, Alzheimer's disease, it's a brain disease that can't be stopped, reversed or cured. It slowly destroys memory and thinking. It mostly affects people over the age of 65, but it also affects some people under the age of 65. Among older people, it's the most common form of dementia, which is the name that um, doctors and nurses give to a group of brain disorders that seriously affect the individual's ability to carry out daily activities. Alzheimer's disease begins slowly by first involving, involving the parts of the brain that control thought, memory and language, which causes trouble remembering things that happened recently or names of people whom the individual knows. Over time, Alzheimer's disease gets worse so that individuals may not recognize their family members, may have trouble speaking, reading or writing, may forget how to brush their teeth or comb their hair, and later on may become these people These individuals may become anxious or aggressive or wander away from home. And eventually, most of them, maybe all of them, will likely need what's called total care, which can cause great stress for family caregivers who must care for them. All of which is why our topic, family caregivers surviving Alzheimer's disease, is so important for family caregivers and their family members. Now, to discuss it, Our guest is Paula Spencer-Scott. Paula is the author of the book, Surviving Alzheimer's, Practical Tips and Soul-Saving Wisdom for Caregivers, which was published in 2014. She's a contributing editor and former senior editor of Caring.com and a fellow of the MetLife Foundation Journalists in Aging program. She's the author or co-author of 11 other books on health and family. Her articles also appear in AARP, WebMD, Huffington Post, and she's a former columnist for Women's Day and Parenting Magazines. Four of her close family members, including her family, sorry, including her father, have had dementia. So welcome to the show, Paula. Well, I'm delighted to be here. 
Thank you. Now, a question for you. Question number one. Please tell us a little bit more about your life, your career, and your experience of family caregiving for those close family members who were living with Alzheimer's disease. Paula? Yes, as you, um, you indicated in your introduction, my professional background is as a uh, journalist, uh, writer, and editor covering family and health issues uh, my entire career, including um, writing books for consumers um, with physicians. So I wrote books with doctors at Harvard and Duke and UCLA on various topics. And over the years, my expertise really became um, translating medicalese for laypeople, um, understanding you know, complex theories and approaches and making them um, usable and applicable to people's everyday lives. Uh, around the same time, I, uh, after I, I finished uh, my, probably my 10th book working with doctors, I became involved with Caring.com when it was a, a startup. And um, and this was after having worked in magazines for a long time, and they built up their uh, cha- their channels on caregiving and Alzheimer's dementia. I had a personal interest, as you mentioned. My father um, had um, vascular dementia, which is very similar in, in how it plays out to Alzheimer's disease. Um, and my grandmother and um, uh, two other close family members, a mother-in-law, had the disease and, and sort of first watched as uh, kind of one step removed as family members took care of them. My mother, after my mother died, um, my brother and I took over care um, for my father un- until he died and really then got a front row seat on um, all the kinds of things that are involved and the stresses that are involved with family caregivers, as well as talking to um, dozens and dozens of caregivers through my, my work with caring and really went from um, having spent part of my career at, at one end of the age spectrum, writing a lot about parenting and child rearing uh, for magazines, moving out to the other end of the age spectrum, uh, doing a lot on, on elder care, Alzheimer's, and dementia. Right. Now, let's talk about your book. Please tell us about your book. And the title, again, is Surviving Alzheimer's, Practical Tips and Soul-Saving Wisdom for Caregivers. And again, you published it in 2014. Please tell us about the book. Paula? Well, the caregiver, uh, well, the title is is very deliberate um, in its focus on the caregivers. Obviously, no one who has Alzheimer's is, survives it. As you pointed out in your introduction, you don't re- recover from it. There is no cure for it. But the, the burden of care um, inevitably falls to family members and, and others, and those people really do need help sort of surviving. You do come out the other end of it, but it, it can exact quite a, a toll on people. So I, I focus the book on um, really practical and useful advice and um, and focus a lot on the caregiver, hence the, the soul-saving wisdom part of it. The book is divided into three parts. Part one is a series of very focused interviews with some really wonderful thought leaders um, on Alzheimer's and dementia. Lisa Gwyther is a social worker at Duke who founded some of the first uh, caregiving support groups in the country 30 years ago. She was a co-founder of the Alzheimer's Association. She's in there talking about uh, the experience of, of adjusting to Alzheimer's as a family. Naomi File uh, is the, uh, the creator of the validation approach to dealing with people. Tipa Snow is a wonderful um, 
a uh, uh, occupational therapist who talks about communication. Uh, Lisa Gibbons, the TV personality uh, in the United States, who is um, her mother had Alzheimer's and she's been very involved in caregiver support. All these people are talking about one sort of narrow aspect to give you kind of a top line overview of what you um, what can inform your your thinking as you're a caregiver. Then part two of the book is focused on everyday problems. So everything from uh, repeating questions and indecision, agitation, you know, the person won't bathe or change their clothes, all those everyday things that people deal with in a really, really granular fashion. Um, and for those, I give a, a, what I call the why this, try this approach, giving some insight into the whys. Why is this behavior happening? And then ideas that you can try based on other caregivers' experience, based on what's really happening. And it's a very list, try this, try this, try this. Um, and then part three looks at personal and family stressors. So those are things um, like criticism, denial, when other people are criticizing you, or they're in denial about what you're experiencing, um, when you feel resentful, when you feel worried and upset, um, lack of privacy in the house, all those social, emotional kinds of issues that consume caregivers as they're on this journey. Those three things together, the overview, focus on practical problems, focus on emotional stressors, I think really give you kind of an overview um, practical toolkit for getting through um, Alzheimer's care. Right. Now, I want you to tell us why you wrote the book and who you wrote it for. Now, you've all already p partially answered that question, but I want you to go deep into yourself and why, when you tell us why you wrote the book and exactly who you had in mind that the people were that, who were in front of you, so to speak, when you actually wrote it. Paula? Sure. I wrote it because there really was nothing else out there like it. So, as we all know, there's lots of great information about Alzheimer's and, and people who are dealing with it today, you know, are at an advantage that people didn't have, you know, 10 years, 20 years ago in, in terms of how much is out there. But what I found as I was a caregiver myself and then as I was an editor and a journalist working in this area talking to people was that you have to wade through a lot of narrative. Uh, before you can unlock the insight, the, the what's going on here and what can I do about it, really practical approaches. And I had talked over the years with so many different people, some of the top experts in the country as well as family caregivers, and began to develop my own sort of personal list as a journalist of this very best of practical advice. And what I wanted to do was to pull all that together in a way that was really quick and easy for somebody who's very time poor and stressed to be able to just take a hold of and, and digest and, and use. That's sort of the way that I, I work, it's kind of breaking down these complicated things and making them really quick and accessible and easy to read. So that was kind of the, the why. I was sitting on this body of information that I had written, you know, dozens and dozens of little short articles here and there on this topic and this topic and had this great interview and met this great person, and I wanted to pull it all together in a really easy-to-use package that would help people which brings me to the, if you ask who I wrote it for, I, I wrote it 
for the people that I know and the people that I talk to and the people in my family. Um, and I, I suppose if I was really looking at, at myself, I wrote it, you know, for myself. Um, those um, adult children as well as spouses, um, grandchildren, friends, people who are all affected by this disease, especially, you know, once that dementia is undeniable. You know, you're facing that, uh-oh, you know, that now what moment um, because Alzheimer's disease, as you point out, is all about care management. It's not really a disease about medication. It's not a disease about medical treatment and going in and getting your treatment every six weeks. It's all about care management and the, and the burden that shifts over time to those family members. And I just met so many people, and I wanted to add something to the conversation that would be helpful. Very good. Now, um, talking of adding things, this is where we have to take the break because I always say this is where we pay the rent. So we're going to do that <laughs> now and we will be back. But let me just say, this is Dr. Gordon Adley. My guest is Paula Spencer-Scott. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Adoption changes a family forever, for the adopters as well as the adoptees. There are many adjustments that need to be made, from lifestyle to financial, and the personal rewards are unlimited. Listen every week for Your Adoption Coach with Kelly Ellison. We will examine in detail such topics as international and domestic adoption. We will talk with adoption professionals and hear stories about real families adopting. If you've been thinking about adoption or recently began the process, you'll want to tune in to be inspired every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Want to help make our world a better place, but not sure where to start? Tune into Better Worldians Radio with the creators of the social game on Facebook called A Better World. Join hosts Ray, Mary Sue, and Gregory Hansel, who will inspire you to make a big difference in small ways. They'll speak to experts, authors, volunteers, and everyday people who are changing the world daily. Better Worldians Radio is heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Paula Spencer-Scott. Our topic is Family Caregivers Surviving Alzheimer's Disease. 
Paula, now let's talk about the challenges created by Alzheimer's disease. And first question then is, what do you think are the most challenging of the challenges that Alzheimer's disease creates for the individuals, for the people who live with it, that, who suffer from this? And why are the, these challenges so challenging for them? Paula? Well, that's a great question because there are different challenges, I think, for the person who has Alzheimer's um, and than those in his or her circle. And the challenges for the, the person with dementia, especially early on in the disease process, so it's a, it's a disease in which, you know, awareness diminishes as those thinking skills um, erode. But early on in the disease, many people, most people, um, ha- have an awareness that uh, it hasn't, it hasn't disappeared yet, that something um, is not quite right. Um, my father-in-law talks about his wife who had Alzheimer's, um, you know, looking at him and, and saying, you know, Dawn, what's, what's wrong with me? Um, she, she wasn't completely aware of what was going on, but she was aware that, that she was changing and that, that there were differences. Many people um, have personality changes as an early first sign. There's a often, not for everyone, but there's often a, a drawing inward as the person is kind of using all their resources to hang on and to um, keep track of conversations and, and keep track of the things they're, they're trying to do in the day. And it, it takes a lot of mental reserves. So I think one of the challenges really early on is, is just fear and distress. Um, uh, about, you know, what does this mean? Or, or if you're, you know, you have awareness uh, and you get diagnosed early, you know, what, what does this mean for me and for my family? And, um, or if you don't have the diagnosis, just what, what is going on? Um, and then very related to that uh, is coping with adjustments to um, the series of losses that come with these um, decreasing abilities. So early on, whether or not you, you know exactly what the problem is, People um, often are having to give up work, can't, can't do all the things that you, you did before. Um, giving up driving becomes unsafe um, or, or resisting giving up driving but knowing that, you know, you're starting to have accidents and it's, it's not safe. Giving up um, one's hobby. What often happens is someone um, can't, like, do that, you know, you're a woodworker. And you can't do your hobby to your former standards. It just doesn't cut, and you're aware that it just doesn't look right you know, anymore. And so you sort of give that up because you, you just kind of put it aside, don't want to do that anymore. Um, giving up being able to read because you, know, you can't follow a, a story. Giving up social interactions because you can't follow the conversation um, or because your friends, you know, fall away, which sadly often happens because they just don't know how to, to, to deal with it. So it's a lot of losses that people are adjusting to. And, um, it, it, um, it's, it's, really, it's really hard, um, and, and it's right. very uh, sad to, to try to, to grapple with those things. Right. Now, I want you to talk about the challenging, the most challenging of the challenges that this disease, this awful disease, creates for the family caregivers themselves. And why are they so challenging? And what I'm looking at is family caregivers who are coping with someone who've been going, who is going through the challenges that you've just described. What are the most challenging of those challenges that the family caregivers experience? Paula? Yes, um, 
as you described, the the burden you know shifts as time goes by, and so that the the burden is going more and more on the uh, the family member. So initially, they too are sharing in that kind of worry and fear and distress, um, along with a lot of not knowing how to tread. Right, the big questions: How do we deal with the giving up the car keys and and when and um, dealing with someone who can't work and what does this mean for all of us? So the emotional challenges um, are a lot around that. But then as time goes on, um, the emotional challenges also include things like sadness. Um, the I once interviewed the former Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, whose husband had Alzheimer's disease, and I asked her what the most difficult emotion for her was, and and she paused and she said, sadness, just sadness. Um, People feel also a lot of um, guilt, um, resentment as time goes on, uh, resentment and anger as the burden gets harder, uh, isolation, the stress load really goes up. And something that's unique to Alzheimer's um, compared to to some other um, chronic diseases is that the caregivers and the families are also dealing with grief. Um, the, the social scientists call it an ambiguous loss, right? You're losing the person who, who you once knew, who once was able to do and say and remember all these things and have this shared life with you, um, but they're still here. It's sort of this ambiguous loss. Um, they also call it anticipatory grief, right? You're grieving. That's a grief that's every bit um, as strong as the grief that people feel after a loved one dies, but yet they're still alive. And people have a lot of guilt around that uh, while they're grappling with this really tough emotion. It's very stressful to have these endless reserves of of compassion and and patience and and creative thinking that are involved. Please just say an additional word or two about the sense of guilt that you've just described that the family caregivers may may have. How do they describe it? What do they feel guilty about exactly? Yes, many different things. People feel guilty because they're not doing enough. Or they feel guilty because they're doing the, the what they perceive as the wrong thing. They feel guilty because they're not um, solving the problem, which they know they can't, but they still feel guilty. They may feel guilty because um, they're happy and healthy. And people will pause and they'll say, you know, I just sometimes I just feel guilty that I can still go out with friends and 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 find myself laughing. But you know, my husband is is. Receding, and so I, I feel guilty that I that my life goes on. It's a very complex emotion, um, and a very very real one. Um, it's uh, it's really hard for people um, to articulate and, and to and to feel, and yet they they can come up with many many instances of of feeling that guilt, feeling like that they should be grateful that the person is still alive. Well, you're, you know, sometimes friends will say, well, your mother, you know, is still alive. You should be grateful. But they're feeling guilty because they're they're grieving because their mother has Alzheimer's and she's not the same anymore. Um, it's, a, it's a really complex stew of emotions. Right, right. Now, let's talk about the quality of life of the families, They're the families of the person who's um, going, experiencing these stages, these challenges of, of Alzheimer's disease. What are the most challenging of the challenges for the families as a whole um, when they're responding as a family and it's their quality of life that is being affected, the quality of life of the families? Paula? 
Yes, it's, uh, it is it is not uh, one person who's affected or even, you know, two people. It's, it's a whole broad family unit. And um, the challenges depend on, of course, the two things, the individual, um, because it manifests itself differently in every person, and it also depends on the, the, the stage of the disease. There are sort of different challenges that, that people experience at, at different times. Some of the big buckets or umbrellas that they, they fall into, I would say, are um, safety concerns, um, activities, keeping the person meaningfully occupied, and, and, and what that does to the, to the way the whole family is spending its time together, um, and communication. And then another subset of those um, that can kind of take over quality of life for the whole family are when these certain, you know, for lack of a better phrase, you know, odd behaviors, and these are very individual, but, you know, when someone is, it becomes very aggressive or um, have these behaviors, whether it's, it's pacing or being uh, having delusions, um, cursing, you know, the, a physical impairment like incontinence, really big things can happen that can kind of upset the apple cart for the whole family. Um, but very commonly, it's just grappling with these safety concerns, like driving, like wandering, a person wandering off and, and getting lost, which is a very real risk, um, leaving the stove on, you know, things that sort of endanger the whole household, and everybody ends up kind of walking on eggshells, wondering, you know, what to do and how to handle this. Um, Likewise, with activities and keeping the person meaningfully occupied, so they're not just watching TV all day um, or not following you around all day. You want them to be part of things, but yet they need such constant watching and care. Um, and these things have big ripple effects throughout um, the whole family unit. This, I'm going to use the word stress just to summarize what you've been talking about. I don't think it's sufficient, but if you could read into my use of that word, all the things you've just been talking about. Does this stress ever get to the point where the family is breaks up, where people leave, where the quality of life has suffered so much that some members of the family can no longer tolerate it? Does it ever get that far? Yes, it gets that far very often, I, I think, with families. I mean, I think there are some who just stick through almost to their detriment. I mean, it's really hard. And then there are others who, who just um, can't take it anymore. And, and you see lots of different dynamics. So there's the dynamic of um, uh, of an adult uh, child who is just really at the breaking point because of her family. So right, the, the average caregiver is a middle-aged woman who may be caring for her parents as well as her children who haven't you know, left the house yet. And so her relationship with her partner is very strained, and there's been surveys that show you know, really marital strain is, is um, very, very high in, in households where someone is living in uh, with someone who has Alzheimer's. Um, so that becomes very difficult. And then even just with, with spousal relationships, um, there are many things that almost become um, deal breakers because they're they're you know they're practical and or stress driven. Incontinence is a really big one. Aggression is a really big one. The, the person become, um, the caregiver feels endangered and just can't can't do it anymore. And continuing to care for the person at home becomes very difficult. Um, so it's both a practical issue, but it's also a, a stress driven issue. And you know, people with Alzheimer's not unusually outlive their caregivers because except for the dementia, they may be in pretty good health and live for many years where the caregiver who's just doing everything and absorbing all that stress 
becomes sicker and sicker or ignores their own preventative health care um, and, and becomes a really hard uh, and sad situation. We're going to take the break again now, but that point about uh, some people call it burnout, mm. you know, the financial, the psychological and the physical exhaustion for family caregivers is an extraordinarily powerful point that you just made. So let's take the break now and then we'll come back and talk some more. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley. My guest is Paula Spencer-Scott. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We will be back. A nice glass of wine is very refreshing after the end of a long day. But have you ever considered the story behind the wine? Tune in to Bacchus and Beery Wine Radio with your hosts, Roger and Donna Beery. You'll meet some of the people behind the world's wineries, travel the wine country, and learn more about that glass that you're enjoying. Roger and Donna will also give would-be vintners a behind-the-scenes look at starting a winery. Bacchus and Beery Wine Radio airs live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace to speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on Earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs. And now, we have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. This problem continues to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, and through our children. Get the answers from The Mickey Ellison Show, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome, welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Paula Spencer-Scott. 
Our topic is family caregivers surviving Alzheimer's disease. Paula, now let's talk about common sense and supportive advice. And I got those words from your book for family caregivers in responding to what you think or what you've just described as the most challenging of the challenges. So first first off, Paula, please highlight us highlight for us the common sense and supportive advice for family caregivers in responding to what you regarded as the most challenging of the challenges that Alzheimer's disease creates for their family members who are living with Alzheimer's disease. Paula, please. Well, I, I, I think several key ideas come to mind that are sort of broad concepts that when you get those concepts, it can really inform a lot of the care that follows. Um, and perhaps my favorite overall piece of advice comes from um, a man named Bob DeMarco who runs a, a website called the Alzheimer's Reading Room and was a caregiver for his mother. Um, and he's also one of the interviews that's in the, my book, Surviving Alzheimer's. But his idea boils down to this phrase, which is, they can't change, you have to. So a lot of people run into this uphill battle because they feel like the person is just is either doing things on purpose to make them mad or if they just tell them enough or show them enough or write enough signs or make it easy enough for them, they should be able to get it. Like if I've said this to you 50 times, like the next time you'll be able to get it. It's sort of banging your head against a wall over and over again. Um, but Bob's idea is, you know, the, the Alzheimer's, means that, you know, the brain is changing. The person can't help the behaviors that they have. They're not doing things on purpose. They, they, there's usually often a reason behind it, but it's not anything that they're controlling. And it's that you have to change. You have to figure out ways to reorganize your life or your home or, or, or tweak the way you deal with something a little bit. Um, but it's the idea is that you have to be the one who's, who's a little bit fluid um, and bendable so that you don't break. Um, the other big piece of advice that ties into that is is this thinking about the why behind the behavior. So we tend to just take behavior at face value, like we do with all our human interactions, and then respond to it. But with Alzheimer's, I think it's really important to kind of think a little bit about the why, what's going on behind that, which is why I talk in the book about this why this, try this approach. You know, the reasons for the behavior are, are rooted in the disease. So, for example, you're losing your short-term memory. But they're also rooted in other things like boredom, um, fear, anxiety, you know, sort of emotions the person can't express or um, they need to go to the bathroom or they're suffering from vision changes, you know, that mean shadows look like people and their brain can't interpret it the same way. And a lot of times it's if you look, if you really go through a list of kind of looking at what might be the whys for this behavior, you can come up with a, a, things to try, how to, how to respond to it. Um, another big piece of advice that I like is that there is no one right way to do things. Um, that surprises a lot of people. You think, well, here's the problem, and then what's the solution? And, in fact, you know, there are lots of different ways to deal with Alzheimer's. There's lots of different solutions that families come up with um, for global situations about how to take care of the person, where they should live, and also how to deal with small individual behaviors. So really kind of casting a wide net and, and being really open-minded um, is very helpful. 
Um, and I think the, the other nugget I wanted to be sure to mention, just, it's a small thing, but I really love it in terms of caring for someone with Alzheimer's, is the idea that emotion outlasts memory. So your father, my father, you know, wouldn't remember that he um, had just, um, you know, spent the day with his grandchildren yesterday. He'd be like, when are they going to come visit? Why haven't I seen them? Um, but when they would visit, you know, the emotion about that lasts. He, he would be in a good mood um, for a longer amount of time. Listening to music is another way that just kind of puts people in a good mood. And that emotion tends to last when people feel loved and cared for and, and they've done something pleasant. They don't remember necessarily that they did it, but the, but the mood persists. And that's kind of a, a really wonderful insight that can, that can guide care. So it was a big laundry basket of ideas, but they all help in different ways, I think. Right. Now let's talk about helping the family caregivers themselves. You talked about in the last segment the challenges that they face uh, and how diverse those are. So what are the common sense and supportive advice, uh, cautions and so on for family caregivers looking after themselves? Paula? I think allowing yourself to feel and name the emotions that you're feeling as a great starting place. You know, being resentful that you're the one on whose shoulders this all rests um, is a very real feeling, even though it's like a dirty little emotion nobody really wants to talk about. Who could, you know, being resentful is kind of a not nice thing, but it's very real. Um, feeling guilty about all those things that I talked about. Um, being consumed with worry or sadness. Those are all very real feelings and, and, just allowing yourself to feel, knowing that that's okay, is, is, seems very basic, but it's a huge thing, I think, for, for a lot of people who think they always have to be cheerful and they always have to be there and do there and do everything. Um, it's okay to, to feel fragile because it's a, a hard job. Um, and the rest of it really is around finding ways to offload that stress because a lot of Alzheimer's care is a variation on, on stress. So finding resources um, to help you, whether that's um, local programs, um, volunteers. You know, I've heard of neighbors, you know, who each have a parent with Alzheimer's kind of sharing respite care for, for one another, community resources, um, I, people who can share the burden with you figuratively and literally, you know, that friend that you can call at any hour. You have a free pass just to call that friend and vent. They don't have to say anything in response this to be there for you. Or I know caregivers who, who have a journal that they write in, and then they rip it up, but they, they get it out of their system, offloading the stress. Um, keeping up with, you know, your own preventative care exercise is a great way to offload stress but kind of stay healthy yourself. Um, and then finding ways to stay connected to the world, whether that's through support groups, um, through the Internet, through listening to programs like this one where you're reaching out to other people and knowing that you're not alone. It's, it, it, they're small things that just, again, just can make a really huge difference in, in your uh, ability to, to weather things and to get through the day. Now, talking about weathering things, let's talk about the advice, common sense and supportive advice you have for family caregivers particularly, but also for families as a whole to protect themselves against the loss of quality of life of the family as a whole. Paula? Well, one, 
one area that um, kind of handles both helping the quality of life for the person and for the family is around, and, and is a positive thing as opposed to a lot of the negatives that I've talked about, is around this idea of meaningful activities. Um, so all of us, whatever our, our mental status, you know, wants to feel a sense of, of contributing against this idea that, you know, mood outlasts memories. We want to feel like we're a part of things and we're doing something. And so um, a big challenge is, is, you know, figuring out how to keep the person with Alzheimer's um, occupied all, all day because when they're not, that's when a lot of, um, uh, when they're feeling insecure, bored, um, anxious about things, that's when a, a lot of these um, uh, behavioral tics of Alzheimer's often kick in. And so it's it's a process of kind of looking for activities that they they still can do, kind of meeting them them where they are. Um, so someone who used to love to cook, you know, can't cook anymore, but maybe you know she can snap beans and 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 sort beans and stir soup. Or uh, my dad couldn't repair things anymore, but he loved to organize his toolbox. And every day it was a new toolbox to organize and, and reorganize. Um, folding laundry, you know, picking up sticks in the yard. My father also. Um, you know, when he was physically able, you know, painted a fence. He'd start at one end and then he'd, you know, do the next coat around another end. Fortunately, it was a pretty big fence. But not doing everything for the person and and finding ways that they can contribute. Um, I think it also helps everyone in the family unit to sort of see the person as as still um, a vestige of of the person that you knew and that they're able to do things and, and contribute. That can be a really helpful um, thing to do, um, and again, playing this this sort of why this try this approach, kind of looking at what are the reasons for some of these behaviors that I talked about, whether you know repetition or or wandering, um, kind of playing detective, figuring out why they do that, and and therefore what are some of the things that that we can try. Um, and repetition is something that happens early in the disease and and drives whole families crazy from the, you know, the, the adult child to the grandchild. Um, but there are ways that you can um, deal with that that help um, make the person feel better, make you feel better, and the, and the quality of life for the whole household lifts. Now, talking about feeling better, is it right to say that there can be moments of happiness for the family, for the individual, and for the family caregiver. Is that something that you're willing to support, willing to willing to acknowledge does happen? Paula? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I hesitate to, to uh, point, to paint too fine of a, a gloss on it, because I think some people feel that they, they have to work so hard to always have the happy moments, and it, and it can be a, a hard thing, and so it's not necessarily, you know, 24-7 sunshine, but absolutely there are, are, are rewarding and, and happy moments, and uh, another great overriding idea behind Alzheimer's care is, is living in the moment, like trying to get away from morning yesterday and try to get away from worrying about tomorrow, but sort of living in the moment that you're in right now. And there's a lot of humor in those moments. There's a lot of um, comfort in those moments. There's a lot of um, rewarding feelings on both sides. Um, You know, Alzheimer's care is not something where as it goes on, you don't often get a lot back. The person doesn't always you know, have the wherewithal to say thank you or I'm you know, glad you did that. But you can 
feel that a lot, and you can see it in their faces. And um, I absolutely believe that um, that is something uh, uh, worth striving for. And, the, and those golden moments kind of do help feed the moments that are less golden. Yeah, I like the term golden moments. Once again, we have to take the break, so let's do that. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Paula Spencer-Scott. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on Earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs. And now, we have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. This problem continues to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, and through our children. Get the answers from The Mickey Ellison Show, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Paula Spencer-Scott. Our topic is family caregivers surviving Alzheimer's disease. Paula, now let's talk about what more you would like to do and you would like to see done to improve support for family caregivers with family members living with Alzheimer's disease. So you, what more would you like to do to improve the support? Paula? One thing that I'm currently doing right now is working on an updated edition of Surviving Alzheimer's as I want to address um, even more of the kinds of things that I'm hearing from people that, that they, they want. And uh, one big area is around commuting Haitians, something that we've touched on um, a little bit before, and, and really effective um, practical ways to um, better communicate and, and have the, foster these good uh, interactions with someone who has Alzheimer's. Um, also, a lot uh, more about um, navigating um, those difficult transitions. There's sort of these key points, whether it's uh, 
driving, um, giving up independence, transitioning to other living situations that people are really uh, looking for for some guidance and ideas on. End of life is actually another big one, and I I intend to do a lot more because the the burden really does shift even more for uh, caregivers who are dealing with that end stage of disease. And, and, you know, it's a critical topic, not just for people with Alzheimer's, um, but um, in many different ways as the, uh, the overall population is, is living longer and, and sort of living sicker. Um, family units are, are changing. They're smaller. They're more scattered. Um, but the medical approach to care still dominates. And so there's a lot going on, of course, um, around end of life in, um, in, in, across uh, the board, and I'm interested in looking at, at that um, in terms of Alzheimer's and how can we how can we make you know a great quality of life for everybody you know right through the end of of life even when things are difficult in these last stages. But the you know the person's not there, but yet they're they're still there, and there there's uh, there's a lot that can be done. And I, I really am eager to uh, communicate and share some of those ideas that haven't gotten out um, as much as I think they could. So your book or your books, your next book is the instrument by which you're going to improve the support. And uh, just very quickly, wish you every success in writing it because it's needed. Now, I want to ask you what more you would like to see done by others, not the book writers like you, but others involved in the healthcare system to improve the support for family um, families, family members living with Alzheimer's disease. When I say in the healthcare system, I'm not just limiting it to that. It may be social services. It may be something else. So what would you like to see those kinds of people do, Paula? Yes. Well, in fact, there are many people doing many, many wonderful things, and, and funding tends to be a roadblock <laughs> for many yes. of them. Um, but one area that I'm especially um, excited about is the, the research that's coming out around um, training and support programs. So there's community uh, programs that, uh, and a lot of nursing and social uh, work departments at, at universities are doing a lot of this work now, um, in which you know people go out in the field, and, and the field meaning your home, and, and helping guide you through some basic education about Alzheimer's and, and dementia care. And just having somebody reach out to families and to caregivers um, has really been shown to lower the stress levels and help them understand, you know, what to expect and basic tools for, for responding and dealing. And that's a, a service that in a dream world I'd love to see every family have access to and, and be able to, um, to tap into that. I also wish there were more um, day programs um, that offer you know, both meaningful and enriching activities for people with Alzheimer's. And, you know, there are little things going on um, everywhere, um, you know, museums that run special um, special programs and uh, support groups for people who, who themselves have mild or moderate stage Alzheimer's and other kinds of day programs. And what these also do is um, fill another important need, which is respite care, um, respite programs that, that give caregivers a break because that's a, a colossal huge 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 need especially um, as um, you know many spousal caregivers are are you know getting up in years themselves um, families are very scattered and getting a break is so important and, uh, sometimes when people ask me what's the you know most important thing that caregivers need I say well number one is respite number two is respite number three is respite <laughs> you know it's just getting a yeah. break um, and I would love to, 
to see um, more of those kinds of things uh, available to, to more people. Right. Now, different kind of question. Paula, what's your message for family caregivers who've recently learned that a family member will have to live with Alzheimer's disease? What do you say to them, those family caregivers? Paula? I would say that although that is a, a really scary and unnerving thing to hear, it's really important to recognize that you are not alone, that there are literally millions um, of, uh, you know, it's something like, I don't know what the total number for North America is, but it, it, it tops six or seven million, 44 million people, you know, worldwide who are dealing with this disease. That's a lot of people, and the number I think is going to double in, in 10 years. So there's lots of people who are muddling through this. So it may feel very isolating, but, but you're not alone. Um, and so once you can just absorb that fact and say, okay, this is what it is, that enables you to reach out to multiple sources of, of education and help because knowledge, you know, the expression knowledge is power, knowledge is also stress relief and knowledge is better quality of life, um, learning more about what to expect and what's going to happen around the corner so that you can prepare for that continual change. I mean, there are legal steps that you should be taking to prepare. There's financial protective steps that you should take. Um, and, and getting used to the idea that there's always going to be a new normal. It's not just, okay, we'll figure this out. It's We're figuring this out, you know, every month it's going to be different. And there are good days and there are bad days. It's a very kind of a jagged graph of, of this degree. Um, so really, you know, being open-minded about how you're going to get through those days is an important mindset to adopt, realizing you're the one who's going to have to change, not the person with Alzheimer's. And then the last thing is, is realizing that, okay, right now you've just got the diagnosis, you've, you've just realized what you're dealing with. Um, you know, in, in the aftermath of this crisis, the big emphasis is on the, the problem, is on the person, and that's very understandable. That's important. You want to get all the help you can and get them set up and focus on them. But Alzheimer's is a long game. Uh, you know, it's known as the, the long goodbye. Um, and so it's really important right from the beginning that you also realize you have to look out for number one, who, who's you. You, know, you have right. to, to be concerned for yourself so that you can continue to provide the care that that person needs. And um, that's a message people really don't focus on early on because the focus is on the person with the disease. But it's a, it's a really a, a, a tandem diagnosis. And, um, you know, thinking about that from the beginning can be really helpful to both of you over the long right. run. On that point, take care of yourselves to the message of family caregivers. Thank you, Paula. That's very powerful and very important. Now, sadly, we've come to the end of this extremely interesting and important episode. So first, thank you to Paula um, for all that you've shared with us. And that next book you're working on, every best wish for that uh, as soon as possible because that's the way in which you are bringing help and advice and support for people who are struggling with this awful illness in a family member. I want to say thank you to our listeners and with Family Caregivers Unite, just to say something about our future, we're starting a new research project called Qualitative Research to find out what you, our listeners, think about important topics such as the one we've just been listening to. 
So please email me to hear more or to get involved. And I'm already making contact with one or two people who are interested in this kind of work. So I very much welcome people getting in touch. Our next episode will be Women's Health and the Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder Pathway. Please join us. Same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 